A friend who understands your tears is much more valuable than a lot of friends who only know your smile. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. If it's your first time joining me, welcome. Thank you for coming. You can follow this podcast on YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Audible, where listening is the new reading. For a limited time, get unlimited access to thousands, that's right, thousands, of audiobooks completely free for 30 days. Sign up right now at audible.wisdomworthknowing.org. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org. A friend who understands your tears is much more valuable than a lot of friends who only know your smile. The subject are, subjects are picked based on the feedback I received from the Facebook page. If you're not following on Facebook, um, it's basically how many likes, shares, and reactions we get to certain posts determine which posts end up being or which quotes end up being the topic of discussion. There will be a discussion time at the end of the episode, so if you are watching live, make sure you uh, throw out some comments during the show, and uh, they may get read out loud at the end. How many of us really have friends, and what is friendship to us? Friendship is difficult. It's easier to cultivate friendships when we're younger. I genuinely believe that. I think a lot of that is just because of all the extra time we have when we're younger. I also think we're a little more honest. Well, a lot more honest, generally speaking. We also tend to give people more grace, so we kind of look past their flaws. As we get older, I think we see in other people what we call red flags. And then we emotionally protect ourselves rather than give them grace. While there is some wisdom in that, right, and in, in seeing red flags and giving ourselves some grace, there's also uh, a way of walling ourselves off from people so that we never actually get to know anybody. You know, you can really build those walls up high to protect yourself and then just be trapped inside those walls forever, alone. But at least you'll be safe. Obviously, that's not a good thing, right? <laughs> Very few people get to experience true friendship. I do count myself lucky, very lucky, that I cultivated some really, really close friendships in my youth, uh, mostly through high school. I didn't realize how lucky I was to have these friendships. I'd say I have at least five or six really, really close friends, and they're all over the world now. Uh, we have to really work at it to keep in touch. And I've actually not done the best job of that lately. Now that this topic came up, I'm realizing I need to reach out to them. But we do keep like a group text going. We're all kind of part of the same crew. But I do consider myself very lucky. Friendship is rare. I think I've looked at the statistics. I know for men at least, in my age group, the majority of them don't even have one person they could call a close friend. If this is you, you're not alone. 
It's very common, actually. Why is that? It's because friendships are hard. And cultivating that level of intimacy in which tears, which means sadness and grief, are shared between two people, as well as the fun things, takes an immense amount of time. And most of us just don't have that time. Or we don't find ourselves in situations in which we can cultivate that time necessary to develop that friendship. I do have some suggestions for those of you who are trying to develop better friendships. I also didn't realize how lucky I was to have these friendships until my wife pointed it out to me. Apparently she has always had trouble over the years maintaining these friendships. She's had them. It's just maintaining them in the long run, you know, as life happens and family happens and kids happen and it just it it does become increasingly difficult to maintain those friendships. I definitely get it. And and I I I do know it is a lot more difficult for me than it used to be at 37. Uh, a lot more difficult to me for me at 37 than it used to be at 27 or 22 for that matter. So not only is friendship rare, having a friend who understands your tears is much more valuable than a lot of friends who only know your smile. So obviously they're contrasting having one friend versus many. And that quote, it's better to have one friend who knows you really well than have a bunch of friends who don't know you at all. It's better to have that one friend who's there for you when things get rough and hard than it is to have a bunch of friends who disappear at the first sign of trouble. That's just, that's just basic. I don't want to say it's just fundamental, fundamentally true. I just wanted to make sure I worded that correctly. It's fundamentally true that it is better to have one or two close friendships in which people will be, be there with you on the, on the highs and lows of your life than it is to have a whole bunch of friends who really don't know you that well. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves, talks about friendship as one of the four cornerstone loves. What are the four loves? Let me look them up. I, I don't have them all memorized. Let me make sure I... read this correctly because I want to make sure I do do it some justice. There's affection, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing this correctly. In the original Greek, it's storg, S-T-O-R-G-E, affection. Friendship love, which is kind of what we're alluding to here in the video. Romantic love, eros, and charity love, agape, which is uh, like unconditional love. And the reason I bring this up is because love is kind of a, a loaded term. We don't really stop to think about it. We throw the word around, the phrase I love you, all the time. But there are different types of love that I think we experience in our lives, depending on their friendship or relationships or basically the dynamics of the 
social situation we're in. And it's good to kind of know the difference and how to, to, to do each really well, how to be charitable. And I don't just mean financially. I just mean it's just unconditional love in some way. It's good to be charitable in some ways. It's, it's good to have romantic love, obviously. It's good to have friendship love. And it is good to have affection. So th that book's definitely worth picking up if you haven't read it yet. It's pretty short. Um, but it talks about kind of the different types of love and how we can kind of strengthen those types. But how can we cultivate these friendships? You know, it, it, it's it's one thing to say, friendship's great. It's great to have. It's good to have. Yeah, well, that sounds all well and good, Craig. But how do I cultivate that, especially at whatever stage of life you're in? There's a couple things that I can I can suggest, because like I said, I've been very lucky and blessed. And then I had to actually go back and self-reflect on. On what was the root of those friendships, you know, what kind of started it. And I do know that one of the cornerstones of a lot of the, I would say the cornerstone of every friendship that I have was at one stage of my life. I spent an immense amount of time with whatever friend I have. Now, I may not have that much time right now that I spend with them, but there was a season of my life in which me and that person spent an immense amount of time together. And that could be, in our case, in most of our cases, it was playing video games. And we just spent an immense amount of time playing games together, and we played those social games, the MMOs, the World of Warcraft game. And we were old school friends, so we spent immense amount of time at school. What I didn't realize was happening was that I was very choosy in the people I hung out with. And, and I, I don't know if this was on purpose. I just This is just how I was. I, I, I generally wasn't a super social person. I, I, I didn't have social anxiety. I just I wasn't super interested in having a bunch of friends. I don't really know where that stems from. I was mostly interested at the time of just finding people who were, I don't know, I was just comfortable being myself around. And so what ended up happening was I ended up sitting at the same table with that group and just spending an immense amount of time with them. But what I didn't realize was happening was that we were actually emotionally investing in each other or doing what's called emotional, what, what I like to call emotional deposits. And that, the, the, the soil for that was, and the watering of that, the fertilizer, so to speak, was time. I find it hard to believe that we can cultivate or even maintain a friendship without spending a sufficient amount of time with other people. It doesn't really matter what we're doing. It does help if you're doing something that you both enjoy, but... It is, it's more important to actually just spend an immense amount of time with people so that it creates opportunities for that connection. I think this happens in a lot of people's romantic relationships too, where they get so busy with life and they start to take each other for granted. I've been through a season of this in my marriage. I still go through this from time to time. But if it's real easy to just 
neglect each other and not spend any time together, especially if you have kids. And then you start to kind of grow apart, start to drift. But I think that the time, it, it's an absolute necessity in cultivating that. Because as you spend more time together, more opportunities for the, the tears part, the sadness part, or the, the funny part, or the jokes, the inside jokes kind of stem from that. And the you, you, you kind of start to become your, your, you kind of start to write your own kind of story together in which there is a backstory there. And then that backstory becomes kind of the foundation of the relationship or the friendship. And again, all this was happening without me even realizing it. And so as we got older and we started to all drift apart and got busy, got our own schedules, some went to college, some after they went to college, they went across the world, they got jobs, they still are across the world. I have friend, a friend in Europe. I have a friend four hours south of me. I've got a friend in the mountains of Colorado. I have a friend nearby. So they're, they're very spread out. But since we had all of that to bank on, now we can pick up the phone and call each other and spend just a little bit of time hanging out. And it's like starting right where you left off. And if you have a close friend, you you know what this means. It's like as soon as you start the conversation, it's like you just slip right back into that comfortable conversation place you guys have always had. But it started with a, t- a time immense foundation. And then as as you get older, maintaining the relationship is easier because of that investment. And the nice thing about friendships is they don't require a lot of commitment. That's kind of the nice thing about friendships is after you've kind of cultivated that ground, maintaining them isn't as big of a deal. It isn't as difficult as like a relationship you know, like a, like a romantic relationship. Those, those should require an immense amount of commitment relationships. Um, that, so my first suggestion is to find your, find a place where you can put yourself, where you can spend an immense amount of time with other people. And if you find somebody you connect with on a friendship level, arrange, hopefully you both mutually kind of you don't have to say, hey, I like you. It doesn't have to go that way. Although when you were a kid, it, that's kind of what you said. It's like, hey, I like you. Let's be friends. That's how it was. But when you get older, um, is if you feel like that opportunities are like, you have to create more opportunities to, to hang out together. Go to movies. Um, join a league. Join a board game club. Play a video game together. And like I said, I haven't been great about this lately. I've been so busy with life. But anyways, cultivate that those opportunities to spend more time together. Have a cup of coffee. Don't be too pushy, obviously. It just depends on the person. But make sure you get together um, every once in a while. And make sure it's in, in, a, in a non-pressure situation and not a place in which conversation and things can happen neutral territory and then the more time you spend with people you will develop threads what I, I like to call threads that will kind of weave together 
the secondary part of uh, the secondary point of advice I can give on cultivating friendships is to be yourself. And I don't mean be a jerk about it, but I mean, don't be afraid. Obviously, hide your crazy to a point even in friendships because you don't want to make huge emotional withdrawals from a friendship early in the relationship. The question is, is whether or not you've deposited yourself emotionally in the relationship enough to start withdrawing. And if you're not sure what an emotional deposit worth of withdrawal is, just think about in your life. Don't ask somebody to help you move when you just met him yesterday. That would be an example of a withdrawal, like a friendship withdrawal, where you actually start to make personal work requests or personal requests that require a tremendous amount of effort in a brand new person you met. Make sure you've deposited into the relationship enough to make a withdrawal. I'm trying to remember, I think Keep Your Love On is the book that talked about this. Emotional withdrawals and deposits. I can't remember. Actually, it might have been a, a child book where I was when I was raising kids. Um, emotional deposits. Uh, I can't remember the name of the book. That's going to drive me crazy. Making deposits in your child's emotional bank. I think it was... It might have been the Boundaries for Kid book. But it's not it's not restricted to just that. It looks like there's a bunch of I just Googled emotional deposits. It's a pretty common analogy. It looks like there's a lot of examples here. And this is just a, an awesome strategy just for dealing with all your relationships, not just friendship is making emotional deposits in people. We have a tendency to suck the life out of people around us. You know, it's really easy to use people. It is actually more difficult to be intentional about depositing emotionally. And it could be something as small as a compliment, making a phone call, sending a text, um, you know, that kind of encourages them or compliments them. I mean, these things matter. And be honest. Don't, don't be fake about it. You know, celebrate your friends. Cheer them on when they're, when they're doing well. Before we move further into that, Wisdom Worth Knowing is brought to you by Amazon Audible. If you're like me and you love reading but don't have the time, then Audible audiobooks may be the perfect solution for you. When, with Audible, listening is the new reading. You can pop in your earbuds and discover that next exciting adventure or expand your knowledge from any PC, Mac, Android, Alexa, or Apple device. And check this out. Because you listen to this show for a limited time, you can get instant access to thousands of audiobooks from Audible's Premium Plus catalog completely free. Just visit audible.wisdomworthknowing.org right now and take advantage of a free 30-day trial. That's right, for 30 days, you'll get full access to Audible's Premium Plus catalog, as well as an additional free title of your choosing. If you discover audiobooks aren't for you, no problem. You can cancel instantly online. That's it. It's that simple. Two years ago, audiobooks began to change my life, and they may change yours too. Pause this podcast and head over to Audible. That's A-U-D-I-B-L-E-A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot wisdomworthknowing.org and sign up right now before the deal expires.
So make sure you're putting yourself in environments where you're going to be around people, places, and things that have higher level of potential for cultivating friendships. And this is a lot harder to do when you're an adult. And then once you have seen those opportunities, create more opportunities with the specific people you engage with or find connection with to spend more time with them. And then while you're spending more time with them, make sure you are depositing in that relationship emotionally in some way. Um, it's good to read a book called The uh, The Five Love Languages. That's also a great book to read because you can learn how to emotionally deposit into people better to help cultivate and enrich those relationships. You know, everybody kind of has a different love language. It could be words of affirmation. It could be um, gifts. So identifying the things that people seem to value the most is is helpful. When you when you don't have as much time to make emotional deposits into people, it's very effective to learn what it is that they value. And the love languages portion of it does help with that. It helps cultivate that. And I think as you pour into, granted, there there's a risk here because there there are certain people who are emotional withdrawers at, all the time, and it's. It could be for various reasons. So if you find yourself in a relationship that has an unhealthy dynamic of this person constantly drains you and does withdrawals consistently, it may be wise to somewhat distance yourself from that relationship or try to set healthier boundaries with that person. The book Boundaries, by the way, is great for this. But that way you have something to pour into people. Because if somebody is draining you dry... It's very difficult to pour into other people and develop new relationships. It's very difficult to make emotional deposits when you are when you have nothing to deposit. So finding that balance is extremely important, I think. If you are listening to the podcast now, you are more than welcome to post comments on YouTube and Facebook. They are monitored during the chat. If any comments come up in the next few minutes, we will discuss them on the show. But the quote here, a friend who understands your tears is much more valuable than a lot of friends who only know your smile. I think there is a level of responsibility on our end to deposit into our friendships to the point where you can grieve or express your frustrations and anger or a sad part of your life to withdraw from a friend. We have a tendency to want other people to be there for us when we've never been there for them. So I guess a good question to ask yourself this morning is, have you been a good friend for others or for the people you consider your friends? Have you been there? Have you been the friend who understands their tears? Have you made emotional deposits into your friendships? Have you made enough of them so that when your life starts to fall apart, for whatever reason, because it, bad things will happen, have you made enough emotional deposits into the people around you so that they can be there for you when a withdrawal time comes, when the tears come? To a point that's on us. 
And unfortunately, when you listen to my show, I am going to bring up things like that. (laughs) That relationships are not one way, and they should never be perceived as one way. That includes friendships, romantic relationships, whatever it might be. This is the Wisdom Worth Knowing podcast. I'm your host, Craig Chamberlain. Thank you for stopping by today. If you haven't subscribed, make sure you check out us on Facebook, YouTube, and Rumble. All of your likes, shares, and subscribes subscriptions help the show grow. It helps the, uh, the search results kind of recommend us. So make sure you do that before you leave today. Also, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. So until next time, remember, a friend who understands your tears is much more valuable than a lot of friends who only know your smile. So have yourself a wonderful day, and let's work on being the best version of ourselves we can today. Because, as always, that's all we can do. I'll see you all tomorrow.